imagining him sitting there with a flamethrower in herself was sitting there holding that flamethrower too. <laughs> We're just making this up as we go along. Yeah, basically. The problem is how loud it is. I just don't know how good it's going to be. That's the thing that drives me crazy with this. And I did a whole bunch of sound checking yesterday on so the different... when they're all done, are you always happy with them? Or do you edit, do you criticize? Like, the sound or just in general? Shit, this is something we should be talking about. <laughs> so it's like just the whole idea of like, you know, I've noticed you, you're just you're recording these with your friends. You just put them on there for me yeah. to see. It's like me with my music. I find I haven't been able to really release anything because I'm so self-critical and nothing ever done. Yeah. You record this, you're like, it's done, it's on. I would be the one that's like, no, I need to go over all this. No, the sound's bad there. I need to adjust the sound level here so you can actually hear what Josh is saying. And yeah. I'd probably spend like six hours doing it. I'd be like, no, it doesn't sound good. <laughs> it's been close a couple times. And it's been hard as like, I'll listen to them and I've almost got sucked into the hole of editing. Like, being like, I like this, but then there's, like, this part I didn't like. Maybe I'll just edit it out. And I actually went in, and I, like, started clipping it a bit. And I was like, no. No. I can't do this. Because it's a rabbit hole that I'm going to get stuck in. And it's never going to be good enough. And it's never... I'm not going to be able to edit it good enough. You're going to tell that I edit it. <laughs> then I'm, like, censoring my thoughts, and it defeats the whole purpose. So then I was just... I just undid everything that I had done. And I... I just... I'll just release it. The only, the thing has been, each one has been different, and so I'm sort of just letting it be, I don't have any expectation yet. I think it's going to get harder for me when I decide, like say I do like 15 different podcasts, and they're all, they've all been uniquely different, and there's things about them I like, and there's things about them that I dislike, and so I wonder if when I eventually decide, okay, this is the one, this is... This is the style that I like. And then feeling a need to replicate that. That's where I'm going to get. And then you get stuck in this bubble that you feel like you need to stay in. Yeah. And you can't take it to other places. So that's where my comfort's been so far is just kind of... Maybe that's like a form of the universe, though. You know, it's like, sure, we'd all love to grow in different ways that we can. But when you make something, you give it kind of a code and a structure... And it has to grow within that in order to stay what it is. Yeah. And if it becomes something else, it feels like you've lost like this, like you've committed to this is the voice in my head with Chris Boardman, and it's going to get this idea that you're going to have to stay in. But I think as you do it over time, everything just starts to settle into the middle and you find the flow. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that was one of the reasons why I didn't want to have it be super specific is because... You know, I listen to podcasts that have like a very specific theme, or they're like Joe Rogan always is going to feel like Joe Rogan. Yeah, but he has so many different styles that he does. He's not really pigeonholed into one. It's not like it's not like he's doing like um, parenting with Joe Rogan, and then he can't really shoot the shit with his buddies about UFC because he's got a parenting podcast. Yeah. You know, a lot of people do them as, they're almost like extensions of their blog. It's like, 
well, this week I talked about this on my blog, so I'm going to release a podcast about this and my Instagram photo. I have some good photos about this event that I'm going to be selling uh, a, a webinar about. So it's like an add-on. And I don't like that feel. Yeah, but you also have to take into account that is what that person is working on at that exact time. This is fresh in their memory. You know, if you're... So what they do... Cause I was talking to Rianne about this. Because I've been recording each week. She's like, maybe what you guys need to do is just do... Like, we just sacrifice a day and you record a whole crap load. And then you just break it up and you release that out over, say, like a month. So you do four weeks worth in a day. And at first I was like, okay, that seems like a good idea. There's definitely a good idea in that. Then I was like, then it's just going to sound like I took a conversation. It's like one slice of time. And I cut it up into four. And I'm not doing it. I'm not, I'm not releasing this every week because I have a schedule that I have to hit because I'm marketing some shit. I'm not getting paid by advertisers. It's not about like I have a blog and I need to keep traffic to my blog, so I have to release something on a on a schedule. So I'm gonna plan out my release schedule. It's literally I just want to have a decompression of thought once a week. And if I do it once a month and then release it once a week, that's not really a decompression of thought. And just the way our minds work, everything is constantly changing anyway. So it's like if I release something that I was ranting about a week ago, like I might listen to that now and be like, I don't actually agree with all of those things that I'm totally. saying. That That's exactly. happened on every single one of these. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like you put it out there and you're like, I can't take it back. I can't. It's like, well, it's made me really careful with what I'm saying. And as like, I listen back to them and I'm like, God. Like, my perspective on this was, I shouldn't have, I did, what I said isn't what I meant. And that, that kind of happened a couple of times. We did the one, the one where we were talking about Jordan Peterson. There was a lot there that I genuinely am connected to. And then there was some other stuff where I was, like, kind of listening back. I'm like, I agree with what I'm saying, but I don't think anyone listening understands what I actually mean. Like, I know what I meant to say, so in my listening back, that made sense, but I... I know that isn't actually what it... Someone cold turkey listening to this has no idea what my actual perspective is, which was, which was pretty frustrating. It makes you want to go back and, like, revisionist it, right? And be like, so, uh, on last week's podcast, I said this, and this is what I really meant. And it's like, well, maybe that would have some value. There's also kind of... Maybe there's no point. Maybe not now there's no point. Maybe not even later there's no point. Like, admitting, like, saying, like, well... We were talking about this before, and this is what I actually think about it. Maybe that would be helpful, but I don't yeah, know. I think it comes down to everything's in the moment, and people need to understand that. So, if someone listens to one of your podcasts and is offended about it, and they want to talk to you about it, you can go into a deeper conversation. And as long as they're not holding on to their belief that I'm going to be mad at this guy and I'm going to put him in his place, yeah. you might actually be able to find that common ground and diffuse that. And also, there's just so many people in the world with so many different opinions that, screw it. I'm yeah. probably offending somebody right now if we were recording. <laughs> That's the, so like, you know, interesting that the, specifically the podcast that I was referring to, the Jordan Peterson one, like, my point was that I think something that's happening now is it's like, in an attempt to stop, um, a regression of freedoms or a regression of safety 
for certain groups, we can't talk about things that are challenging. It'd be like, if I have, if something is wrong, we've all decided this thing is wrong, but I want to just, I just want to know why. Maybe I think I know why. Well, it hurts people's feelings. So maybe that's why. If it's bad, you know, racism is bad. It is bad. You know, not liking someone because of the color of their skin seems stupid. Okay, that's true. I agree with that, genuinely. But it seems weird to me that I can't say why. Like, I can't ask that question. It's taboo. I can't say, like, okay, so I understand racism is bad because of why I think racism is bad. But, like, there's a lot of people that don't think it's bad. And just saying that it's bad and then everyone going, yeah, yeah, it's bad. But then everyone just saying it's bad but not actually engaging with why they think it's bad. How many people out there are just saying it's bad because they think that's what they're supposed to say but they don't really understand why it's bad other than like well it hurts people's feelings does it get but there's like there's it's more complicated it's more complex where's the line yeah like where are the where are the edges of this whole thing and we can't really talk about it which i find weird and talking about it me saying like hey i get racism's bad but i want to talk to people about it like i want to i want to ask a black person you know like what's up with this like what like i you know, like we, you joke around and be like, how come black people can call people the N-word, but I can't call them an N-word? I have reasons intellectually why I think that's the case. But I'm like, I generally want to know. But like, if, by asking these questions, even now, like people would be like, well, you're, you're a closet racist. Yeah. If you weren't racist, then you wouldn't be curious. It's like, well, do you want to call people the N-word? It's like, well, no, but I, should, why are we so afraid of talking about it? Why does my curiosity mean that I'm a, a racist? I don't think it does. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something stupid. Maybe that's like it is. I'm going to ask a question it's going to come across ignorant. It's like, oh, you're ignorant. That means you're racist. No, I'm ignorant. There's a difference. I'm allowed to be ignorant until I figure it out. Well, even yesterday, I mean, the new bosses at work, I wasn't sure what their background was exactly. We never really talked about it. Um, he told me what he was uh, Hindi. Yeah. And I mean, I actually don't know much about Hindus at all. I know it's out east. I was like, okay, I feel like this is somewhere close to India. And I think I asked, like, is that the one with the Bhagavad Gita? And he just, like, kind of gave me, like, a weird look. Like, no, like, that's India. I'm like, oh, okay, like, my bad. So, and I started, you know, asking questions because I'm curious. So I just wanted to learn more about it. But even in a moment like that, it's like, to them, they're like, you're ignorant. Like, why are you asking that question? Depends who you're asking. You yeah. just have to really accept on a deep level, like, we may have grown up, we may have better motor skills, we may better have a better vocabulary, but in a way, we have this curious child inside of us that's trying to understand everything yeah. in a playful way, Yeah. and I think mm-hmm. we just need to accept that as a society. You know, you, you hear Aiden's, uh, I remember I took him out in the boat, and he met this one guy who had a very high voice, he just came by, he was being friendly. And Aiden was just like, are you a girl? Because you sound like a girl. He had a big mustache on. Aiden knows he's not a girl. And he doesn't mean that in an offensive way. That guy was offended. Like, if Aiden said that to another kid at his school that was a boy, the boy would let that go probably a lot more. Yeah. So we're adults and we think that we're so much better than these children. But, you know, I feel like if we could all get that childlike mentality and bring all of these issues that we have to the table about gender and all that kind of stuff, like, it would be a lot more civil. <laughs> well, yeah, you're right. It's, it's funny, right? We, we want to believe that we've shed all of the, like, we've shed all of our, all the dark stuff, you know? Like, you're, you 
people put forward this persona that they're always you have to always be nice you're always polite you never do anything wrong you never think anything discriminatory or hurtful or hateful or racist or sexist you're I'm this pristine person of all times that's you put that forward mm. as if any human being on the planet no matter how well they posture has never had a dark thought before but we have to pretend that we don't right you can't put it out there you can't be like I thought this really mean I have a friend and I thought something really mean about them because I was angry and but I can you, you can't ever tell you can't tell them that you can't be like oh you did this thing and I really I wanted I fucking hate it like I just ugh I literally thought I'm like yeah you you fucking wop <laughs> Like, I don't actually care that you're Italian. Yep. I, don't, I don't care that you're Italian, Matthew. I know you're listening to this. But, like, just because you're angry and you think that, it's like automatically you're a bad person. It's like, yeah, uh, I mean, the fact that he's Italian actually doesn't really mean anything. But, like, you have this, like, you know that it's mean or you know it's wrong. You know it's hurtful. And your mind jumps to that. It's like, I want to be mean and hurtful because I'm angry. But I don't, I'm not mean and hateful all the time. That's just, like, something that happened. And then it's gone. And it's like, well, I'm not always like that. It's not who I am. I'm not a mean, hateful person. But this doesn't mean I'm not, you don't get angry and upset and then go, oh crap, I'm being an angry, upset, mean asshole. Okay, I'm going to take that back. But there's no take backs. And we have to pretend all the time that we're always good. Never slip, never ask a question, never say anything mean, never not know the answer, never don't Google a guy about something before. Like You can't ask that guy about his background. What if he's insulted that you don't know about his like little obscure niche part of the world that he came from that you should know everything about that guy's like offended that you that you don't find value in who he was before you knew he was something different so he's like well why don't you know about my place I, I don't know I'm sorry I didn't know about it already it's I have to apologize world, like I want to know now I'm curious and tell me about it but sometimes they've already got their back up so much at that point that they just don't even want to discuss it with you yeah. no uh it's all, it's all a very tricky minefield to go through. That's really all it is. It's, it's funny. It's like uh, I, I've met a lot of people. I meet a lot of people that are like Canadian, right? Maybe they're like second, third generation. They come from like a very distinct culture, right? So say like Italian Canadians just as an example this is a very strong culture it's like very they identify as being Italian like very strong and yeah it's actually very separated from every other culture just like at our seminar you know we're all Gracie Humatai but we're all so comfortable with our own schools and it seems like we all naturally went to sit at opposite sides totally yeah with three corners the whole time I was sitting there thinking like I want to just I want to go sit over there and see what it does to my side are they going to look at me weird like what's funny is that we're like okay we're going to mix everyone we're going to mix we're going to switch sides so everyone got up and went to the other side and both all the schools just switched sides I stood, I sat there and I was like well you're not going to move I'm like well if I move and everyone else moves we're just switching sides and the funny thing is I'd already shook all their hands so it was kind of awkward but we had to go all shake hands again because <laughs> it was literally like probably two minutes before they made us do that but, you know, it was good because I actually knew a couple of their names and I felt a little more connected and I don't know. There's so many great people once you get to know them. Yeah. But... It, this is the things like the differences are interesting. The, the, I've, always, I've always sort of envied... I don't know how to explain this. Guys, I'm not going to try over things. I'm just going to say it. So, I've always sort of envied 
people that had like a distinctly strong come from a distinctly strong culture like that right mm-hmm. so like so I'm sort of like a melting pot I'm like English Scottish Irish but my mom's family has been in Canada for like 10 or 13 generations it's like when people make fun of hillbilly Canadian like country people they're making fun of my my family mm-hmm. <clears throat> like the oh you don't have a culture you're just nice you just apologize for everything <clears throat> you know you you play curling and do all this weird shit that no one thinks is cool um, it's like stereotypically like the red green show like the red green show is my family right and so people that are not that they're like from Toronto but they're like six generations Canadian but like Italian Canadians and they have like lineage in Canada but they'll like make fun of like like Canadians for not having a culture you're not like distinct like this and I'm like I feel like we I feel like there is but it's so like I feel like the the culture is like being laid back and like engaging it's like the culture is asking you about yours it's like Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, like, what's up with you? Like, I'm just curious. I'm not gonna. Yeah, I'm just. I'm just engaged. That, but isn't that a thing? It's like, as opposed to like other groups will be like very boisterous about their, like their cultures being like having a presence and being very like vocal and loud and strict with the ideas of way you do things. And blah. Well, maybe maybe the culture that exists here that doesn't exist is a culture of being like I'm curious about what you're up to. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna change what I. I'm not necessarily going to do all the things you do, but I'm curious to know what it is you guys do. And I think that's natural with everyone. It's like, you know, there's probably certain places in the world that if I went and I was just myself, I'd get killed or beaten, you know, just totally offend people. And then other ones, they think it's absolutely hilarious that I exist, speak the way I do, talk about the things I do. I mean, like, one of the most memorable people I've ever met in my life. I went on a road trip out east with my dad, you know, back when he got sick. And we met this guy, his name was Richard. Uh, it was out in New Brunswick. So we're out in this little trailer park, and everyone else there is French-Canadian, so they speak English and Canadian. But this guy, he only spoke French. And we're all sitting there having conversations, talk about Ontario, you know, they don't know much about what's going on. They think we're funny because we talk a little bit different, we don't got the French accent. And this Richard guy has no freaking clue what's going on. <laughs> he feels so left out. And he's just drinking his face off <laughs> Probably every 10 minutes just to feel part of the conversation. He just enthusiastically, big smile, raises his beer and yell, Toaster! It's the only word he knew. It's the only word that he knew. He didn't know how to say anything. And I don't remember any of the people that I talked to at that trailer park. Yeah, I remember a bunch of French people. But I'll never forget Richard. And I'll never forget Toaster. That's hilarious. So, I mean... The things that stand out are sometimes the most memorable things. You know, they, we're all trying to stay in this line, but that's making everything boring. It's only when you kind of go outside of that comfort zone and you say that thing that you're not supposed to say that you actually, like, go home and you talk about it because you're just like, yeah, I went outside the box and that felt good. That's interesting. But uh, on another side, I mean, uh, I was reading that book, The Complete Works of Shang Tzu. Uh, he was a disciple of Sun Tzu. Okay. And there's one chapter he went into, um, there's a tree in the woods and its branches are all pointed off in different directions. It has no uniform shape mm-hmm. and no carpenter in the world would ever 
look at that. No arborist. Just look at that and think, like, I could do anything with that. That's a useless tree. Mm-hmm. And he goes on to say, you know, the person who's speaking to your words like this tree, but I think it kind of goes deeper than that. Like, you look at any character in any movie, you want definition. You want to be able to look at that and say, I know what that is. I know what that does. I know what to expect. Mm-hmm. Like Trevor was saying tonight, you know, know yourself, know your opponent. If you only know yourself, that's 50% of it. Like, you have to understand everybody's different. But if you can't understand that, it's going to frustrate you. Mm-hmm. So they're all kind of painting us into this linear box here. But I think in ourselves, we need to make ourselves into a linear box. It's all about identity. If you have no identity, which is kind of the point of meditation, I think I feel freer the less identity I do have because mm-hmm. you don't feel trapped in. I am, you know, I could say right now, like I'm a jujitsu person. But, you know, there's other times I was like, I'm, I'm going vegan or I'm, I'm vegetarian. It's like whatever I decide that I am, it's like you've painted yourself into a little box of rules. Yeah. And you have to follow all the rules in that box. Because they come with rules yeah. to be a part of the group. Yep. And that's all it is. All these is different little groups, and we create these groups. We're the creators of them. Mm. You know, Trevor's school, there's certain people that he wouldn't want there. Certain attitudes he doesn't want him there because there's an ideal of what Lucy, or sorry, Lewis Karate is about. And then there's certain schools that one of our students could go to, and they're like, we're not looking for one of these guys. We want someone who's going to, like, push my guys and, like, hurt them and, like, teach them to defend themselves even harder in these situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I don't care if, you know, people break their noses or pop their arms out. Like, we're, we're building killers here. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, you know, just like with this podcast here, it's all about deciding there's a certain structure you got to stand to. We've decided right now, okay, we're going to tread carefully on these uh, conversational uh, <laughs> taboos, yeah. whether it be with, you know, anything we're that can offend somebody. We're like, we're just poking at it. We're not going inside. This podcast that we're making right now is talking about walking around the edges of that circle that you're not allowed to go outside. (laughs) Yeah. We're giving... It's interesting because we're exploring. So we're like, okay, the edge isn't here. We haven't been... uh, No one's come to kill me yet. Yes. But it's because this podcast hasn't been released. It's not over yet either. That's true. That's true. That's very true. Solid point. You know... Yeah. You, you've you mentioned that, the tree thing before. I it's, thought it was really interesting. It's one of my favorite quotes, and it's, you know, it's on my mind a lot. Yeah. Because, you know, I think as we're exploring ourselves, I'm, I'm even trying to define, like, what I am. Mm. You know? Because if I can fit, you know, once you know who you are, you can relay that to other people. I mean, uh, I was meeting these corporate people. One of them worked for the OPP, you know, for this Chuck's Roadhouse that I'm working at. And it's funny because... A lot of the things that people say out loud consistently are kind of mantras they're telling themselves mm-hmm. in order to stay inside that identity. It's like, yeah. I've got to keep reminding myself who I am. One of his was always be in control, always show like you're the one in charge. But it's funny because you ask this guy any question about the system or, you know, like, oh, am I allowed to add the fries and the salad or is the salad going to be extra because like the cost included in there and he never knew the answers mm-hmm. when it came to like telling people what to do he was always in power and always in charge yeah. and it's funny like if you ever listen to this guy talk he'd talk about all his little stories and he'd throw them you know because like you know, I needed to show that I was in power and I was in charge and he'd throw that in there like ten times and I'm like he's talking getting, to himself like na- yeah and I'm like this kind of feels like 
fake. Like, I think even you know deep down you don't really know who you are, but you've decided I'm going to play this character that's always saying that he's confident and in control, and I'm going to relay that onto other people and try to inspire them. You ignore every movie and book and TV show ever that said that this is the opposite of what you're supposed to do. <laughs> like, you're just, you've never watched TV ever. Yep. I, that's, this, like, happens, you meet people. That are stereotypes of like the stupidest fucking ideas ever. And you're like, have you never? My kids, there's cartoons. This is like chapter four, episode two. You learn that this archetype of a person is a piece of shit and you shouldn't be like that. You're that guy. How have you not like this? Like this guy is like, you gotta be in power, you gotta be in control. Yeah, but first rule of being in power and being in control don't tell people that you're in power and you're in control. That's like, my six-year-old knows that. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah. Like, you just, you missed, you read the first, you read the intro to the book where they said you need to always be in power and control and you didn't read chapter one where they said, no, rule number one, don't tell anybody that. Like, I don't understand. Yeah, first rule about Fight Club is you don't talk about yeah. Fight Club. It's crazy. Yeah, it's like you're rolling with someone you're like, I'm going to armbar you. <laughs> Unless you're really, really, really good, it's probably big, don't say it's it. It's a poker game. Just don't show your cards. <laughs> Oh my god, that's like, and what do you what do you do in that situation with that guy, right? You can't like laugh. You can't. He's so insecure, but clearly insecure about it. He's gonna be un. He's looking for any signs of you, re- like recognizing what he knows. He's like saying that, but if you react to that in any way, you know he's gonna like go about it, like go hard right away. Yeah. So you're like. You have to pretend that you don't... You're like, oh, I'm just mesmerized by how powerful you are. Like, how do you deal with that? <laughs> Honestly, you kind of just have to go along with it, because it's like, especially with me, we're on a three-month probation, and you can just get fired like that. You're like, wow. It's kind of like when I'm you hanging radiate. out... When I hang out with Avery. Yeah. You know, when a little and girl she's... comes up to you and she's like, I'm a princess, and whatever I tell you to do, you have to do. As be, you know, I'm not going to be that uncle. It's like, no, you're not a princess. I'm not going to do anything. Go away. Leave me alone. So it's just like, okay, Princess Avery, what do you need me to do first? You know, that's kind of how you have to act with him. Oh, power and control. Oh, tell me more. Oh, so you were an OPP cop. Oh, so you probably got some glory stories. Because I think deep down, you know, we all got these egos. He definitely had a big ego. And you have to let him talk about it. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's all you have to do with people with a big ego. You just let them talk. You just let them be an ego. And then they're just like, wow, you're such a great listener. And like, I like this guy. And it's like, suddenly his ego doesn't feel the need to ever attack you. It's how you disarm it. Yeah. The distance. It's interesting that this dichot- the dichotomy between like, technically what that guy needs, really, like genuinely needs, is his ego to burst. That's what he needs. Yeah. He needs someone to jump him, shove like seven grams of shrooms down his throat, and lock him <laughs> in a room. That's what he needs. <laughs> Honestly, I do think he'd be a better person. 100%. And just seeing the way he spoke to some of the girls there, and just like the things that he said to me, it's just like, it would be humbling, for sure. I think he would probably show a lot more kindness and love to people. Yeah, it's funny. Because it's probably, like, you know, you get those guys that are like super into psychedelics that think that they should be dosing the water supply. They're like, we put fluoride in this shit. Someone should break in and just put LSD in all the water. By the time they figured it out, everyone would be dosed in the entire city, and you just have this, like, wave of... Calmness and everyone just being like, whoa, like, I'm 
sorry for thinking that way. Like, I now realize our relationship is uh, in a weird spot, and I see how to fix this. That's what Al-Qaeda should have done instead of blowing up the World Trade Center, which just dosed New York with LSD. I think that's the new form of chemical warfare. I, 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 let's get rid of the nukes, and we'll just attack <laughs> each other's country with LSD. I think that's how we save the planet. You know, I think there's actually people that argue that aliens did that by planting pot here. That's one way to think about it. I still stand by, like, the things you see in nature. Like, nature is a beautiful thing. Like, it's so diverse, all of these different defense mechanisms that the plants have. And, I mean, you take marijuana as well as uh, tobacco. I mean, if you see certain bugs go and try to eat the buds, they get drowsy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's a defense base. So, technically, what we did is we're like, whoa, that wasp tried to eat that. And he fell off the plant. He's like, flop around. That fucked him up. I wonder what that'll do if I eat it. Let's smoke it. <laughs> Let's smoke it. And I don't know if it's, you know, I don't know how the it all works because I know it's THC. Like, you have to heat it to a certain temperature to get to that process of decarboxylization. Yeah. Uh, in order to actually get that effect from it. But for some reason, on bugs, it seems to work, so... You know, I'd like to look into that. Maybe they, That's kind of cool. Maybe because they're really small and they do things really fast. There's like a little heat core in them. I don't know how it works. That's interesting. So, Rogan had Weinstein, William Bill Weinstein, on one of his last podcasts. And they're talking about... No, it was before him. What was the guy's name? William Vaughn something. It was the, the biologist... Evolutionary biologist, did you listen to this one? I haven't listened to it. Oh, okay, so they're talking about like he wrote this book called like the the leap or something like that, um, and it's it's like a a breakdown of the history of like human development and how it like separate off from chimps and like the whole growth of everything and all these like points in the evolutionary shift and why he thinks or proposes that they happen different events you know like. All the chimps in Africa, the rain st- rainforest starts to shrink, so the chimps that live on the outskirts can't move in because more dominant chimp groups are keeping them out. So they have to live on the skirts of like where the trees are dying, but there's not enough trees to hide in. So they have to start developing techniques to survive on the ground because they are chimps suck at walking around. So they're like carrying clubs and stuff to protect themselves, and that changes the way they walk and starts to slowly over time adjust things. Right. So anyways, he's talking about this like this evolutionary shift in in humans and it was really interesting like these little these little changes that happen and like screw things up and like change things in ways that you never would have never would have foreseen but it's uh what they were saying one of the big jumps in the evolution of in like the development getting towards homo sapiens was that they when they compare chimps to humans things that chimps do and humans do differently. And one of them is this, uh, if you, they had this experiment where they took a, a box and they like, they would hold it in front of the chimps and they would hold it in front of kids and they, they would tap on the top and it was hard. It was like a plexiglass box or whatever. They tap on the top and then you couldn't get in and then they would, put their hand in the bottom and they could flick a switch and it would open and when they do it to chimps chimps will see you tap on the top of the box nothing happen 
and then you reach underneath and you do this thing and it activates the box and it opens. When you give it to a chimp, they stick the hand in the bottom and they open it, right? And you're like, oh shit, it's smart. It realizes that, that what you need to do is reach inside and open it. When you give it to children, what happens is they tap the top of the box and then they reach inside and they open it because the human brain recognizes that there's a pattern and it automatically assumes that you tap the top because that's a part of the process of opening it. And it's at first on the surface, it seems like it's not as sophisticated, like, oh, those kids are stupider than chimps. Mm -hmm. But it's actually a sign of intelligence because it shows an ability to mimic. So people, when they first find pot the very first time, you'd have no idea what to do with it. Maybe they did see an insect to it. They would eat it. Maybe nothing happened, but they know an effect might happen. So they start experimenting. My theory on this is lightning struck. And they saw it burning, and they felt something. They're like, <laughs> so then this what would happen? This is how you get rituals, right? They're like, they don't understand the mechanics of how this happens, but they know that if you follow these steps, then this effect will happen. And slowly over time, that's been passed on, right? So there'd be like, they do this with food that there's like fish, like blowfish, right? Um, where if you prepare them wrong, you can die. Yes. So how do people know how to eat them? Because you'd assume everyone would be dead. Yeah. Well, you know, you see the first few people fail, and you see the one guy cook it properly, and he ate it and survived, and you're like, oh, he didn't die. Yeah, because you, they see the pattern, and humans are able to recognize this pattern succeeded, this pattern failed. So you, they create rituals. You do. Why do you do these 15 steps? All you need to do is the last two. But... They didn't know that the first 15 steps didn't do anything. They just knew that if you don't do it right, you die, or it has no effect. But if you do all of these steps, this happens. And this is how you get like rituals and, and traditions. And that's like a part of human evolution of why we're like obsessed with having rituals and traditions is because the way our brains work is like you're looking to repeat patterns to get outcomes. If you do all of these steps, you get this outcome. Most of those steps are probably not necessary, but we may not know, you know, chemically or emotionally or socially, which one of those things, if you take them out, won't have an effect and which ones, you know, they do or they don't. You don't know what the effect of them will all be. It's super interesting. It's really cool. Well, maybe that is why I love jujitsu so much, because it fulfills my human and non-chimpanzee need to follow steps in a proper order in order to achieve an outcome. Then as you become like a master, right, you start to become like hyper aware of, out, you're looking for outcomes. This is one of the things I find beautiful about jujitsu. It's super cool. I think it was Miyamoto Musashi that was like, when the path is true, you see it in all things, right? You start seeing jujitsu in everything. But like people do that with like cooking. Right, you can see cooking. Like you can see these like lessons apply to everywhere. These lessons I learned in jujitsu, I could apply them to cooking. I and if you're a scientist, like you look at cooking and you're like, oh, this no, is all a scientific, scientific process. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, um, <laughs> no, you, absolutely. Yeah. If, hey, just like uh, Jackie Chan said, you know, everything is karate. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Kung fu. Kung fu. Sorry. Yeah. 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 yeah you know. Wow. Actually, why did I jump right to Jackie Chan? Sorry, Mr. Miyagi, wherever you are. Uh, you definitely said that first. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, so, jujitsu, when you start, like we did that arm bar today, right? 
Mm -hmm. I showed you the armbar from guard. And so we can do armbar from guard, but then we've only done it maybe... How long do you think, if you added up all the minutes you've done armbar, how many, how many minutes? Because it's in the minutes for both of us. There's no way I'm going to do an hour of just armbar technique. You think, yeah. you're, you think you're in the hours? Probably not. Probably not. Like, actually, no. like, drilling and execution, maybe an hour? Yeah, like, maybe we've, like, you know, got it up higher. Like, you drill armbar for five minutes. It's like, hey, you've now gotten better than But five minutes, it's not an hour. No, it's not. You do Hoiler. Okay? So Hoyler's like, okay, so I've been working, I've been working my arm bar from guard. I'm going to show you my little trick. It took him how many hours? The guy's been doing jujitsu since he was four. He's like 60 years old. Okay, and he's like, over my 45 years of mastering this, um, he maybe he spent like two years on arm bar, and he's like, this is the little, this is the trick that I've developed off of two years of just arm barring. And he gives it to you in five minutes, he gave it to us in the seminar. And it's like, oh, this new trick, you just immediately assimilate it. <laughs> no, it's, uh, just... <laughs> So you just boil this knowledge down to this pure thing. But now if you were to, like, cut, you couldn't come up with that on your own because you wouldn't be able to, like, you're not going to be able to use that technique as well as him. Because he knows the, it's like you're cooking, you know, baking. You know, well, what what is the outcome I'm looking for with the egg? You know, you people are like, well, I'm not going to eat egg. I need to find a way around using egg. So I'm going to use flaxseed because it's sticky. But now they have to figure out, like, how much flaxseed substitutes for an egg. And mm -hmm. what's the effect of using that flaxseed? And maybe I need the flaxseed in a different ingredient in order to get to, that consistency exactly. back. Because it's it's super complicated. And if you're just like, so you just got a cookbook, you didn't know shit about anything, and you're following a recipe and you're reading it for the first time, and you don't know anything about anything, and you're just like, oh, I don't want to use an egg. You don't have the skill to come up with, the, what are you going to, you don't have any, you don't, you, you're going to try something, but it's probably not going to work very well because you don't know it in and out. You don't have like, you don't know the rules well enough to break the rules. You don't know what's up, you know? Yeah, you're not breaking bad. No. Yeah, like, that's the whole concept behind that. Teacher who's been working with chemicals and understands the processes for so long. <laughs> and then you got the guy who knows how to deal with the people. You know, it's, it's human nature's way of kind of... You have to do something millions of times to break things down to even learn that lesson. Like, you know, jujitsu so new. A lot of these little steps and tweaks were just invented in the past couple of years. Yeah, totally. Because somebody trained on it for a year or two and figured out, oh, this one little trick here on the grip will stop that arm from coming out. I never realized that before and no one else had figured it out. Yeah. I mean, that's how so we here, cure cancer. That's how we cure the, any disease out there. It's like somebody just needs to experiment for hours and hours and hours and try absolutely everything. So this is so, the, the super deep question. Okay. Are they inventing jujitsu, or are they discovering jujitsu? Whoa! Right? I know that seems like woo woo and like fake, but like I'm not high. Just in case people are wondering, if I am. Just in case. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? Like it's there. Like pinching your shoulder and your cheek into his shoulder to immobilize his arm. You didn't. That existed before anyone realized you could do it. And it technically falls within the boundaries of what jujitsu would be. We just didn't realize that you would do that. So did 
did someone invent it or did someone just realize you could do that? Well, based on my spiritual understanding, that basically just explained that one little part that you read in every single book, that everything is already there. Everything's already been yeah. created. I mean, uh, there's probably a beautiful tree in the woods somewhere that nobody has ever seen. But if you could go there and find it, like, it's there. <laughs> yeah, you didn't discover it. There, I don't think there's anything you could discover. Everything's already there. So this is, you know, oh, we're not... You can be fascinated by, uh, you know, theories of time and reality and not be an expert. But I think I think it's really cool is, like... Well, that's idea magic that, for you right there because that's why magic is so mesmerizing. When you see somebody do something and you can't understand how it happened mm. and it gets that childlike curiosity we were talking about before yeah, yeah. in there, like, that's... That gets right to the core of ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. I think that's probably one of the addictive things about yeah, about jujitsu is is the, all of this stuff. It's like you you can the the replay rate is so high. It's so easy to see the outcome, like success and fail, and try again and new angle and go at it again and again and again and you reattach a problem and you think about it another way. And it's so like, it's like running bio biology experiments on rats. <laughs> the gestation period is so short that you can, you can like evolve them. <laughs> you just keep testing shit on them and they die and replenish so quickly. You can see an outcome. With humans, you couldn't. The lifespan is so long. Sometimes you do things in your life. Like, I remember watching this documentary. Rain and I were watching this documentary on farming. And this, this guy was like, he didn't want to, he was like pure organic he's starting this farm it was just just him by hand and he was gonna like do a market garden or whatever and he'd been doing it for for five or six years he was growing potatoes and he's like he was beating himself up over what the right thing to do and it was a lot harder than he thought and he was like talking about he's like vlogging it and he's like sitting there staring at nothing and he's like I've been doing this for, for six years say six years like he's like been doing this for six years and I just had my first kind of successful potato crop and I I'm beating myself up over it and then I realized I've only done this six times <laughs> like I've literally I didn't know I was going to succeed or fail the first it took a year to find out nope that didn't work I'll try something different and then oh that didn't work that's two it's only two times like that many times, like tie your shoes for the first time. Imagine it took you a year to tie your shoes one time to find that it was wrong. And he's like, if I was the most experienced farmer I know, I only get 30 tries. I'm only going to get 30 tries at this. Wow. Hey, in for a penny, in for a pound. It's fucking crazy. It is. You know? It's like there's just some, there's some things where it takes a very long period of time imagine the people that came up with agriculture the first time you'd be like that guy's an idiot go on fucking Google you asshole <laughs> like, do some fucking research before you live in the bush and try and farm with no knowledge that's a fair statement which is what I made I think that was fair to say I think that's fair but imagine being the first people that are just like okay we gotta figure this out there's nobody to ask any of these questions they're literally figuring it out and so like in a one person's lifespan you're like that's not really a lot of information but when you spread that out over like generations going back to this like watching the pattern what did that guy do 
I don't know why it worked for Frank, but I know that Bill's failed, and I know this guy, so I'm going to copy what he did, and then then you just add a little tweak, and then someone else is watching you, and they're like, oh, he did this, he did A, B, and C, and then he did D, D worked. So then now they do A, B, C, and D. Maybe you only needed to do C and D, but no one knows that yet, and they don't want to take the chance that A and B, may, a and B might be really important. You got to tap on the box. Yeah, just to make sure. Because what if when you put your hands in it, chopped your fingers off if you didn't tap the top? Exactly. Like You don't want to be that asshole that didn't tap the top. Of course, I'm not skipping step. You know, maybe that's step in our evolution right there. Hey, we realized you need to hold on to that rope and swing to get off that cliff and land in the water properly. Guy forgot about the rope. He didn't get enough distance. Right. No attention to detail. And so one of the beautiful things to me about jujitsu is it's the opposite of that poor son of a bitch's potato farming because you get to the reset time is immediate it's almost immediate you roll there's an effect you can see the outcomes they're succeeding you can literally in the course of a, a class just show you a new move you do the arm bar from guard and the first time you do it you're like this doesn't make any fucking sense at all and then you drill it 10, 15, 20, 30 times and then by the end of the class you're like ah, I can actually hit this feels great then you go to a roll and you're like I can never hit I'll never hit this <laughs> this is so fucking hard they're, letting me do do. It they're, let, they're not letting me do this anymore and then but then you, you do it again and you keep doing it 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 and then eventually you're like you've done it a thousand times but it's only been a month like it's not like you had to wait a year to do an arm bar and you can see that like progression that evolution in yourself that change even us rolling drilling like drilling just being a training partner just realizing that it's like you've you've grown you've changed your ability to like not fight in the drill like while we're training like fight hard every minute of every time right like that's that's taking time to like evolve and change and learn and grow and like kind of feel it out it's like oh okay this it's almost like You've been tapped enough for real that you're like, oh, this is just training. It's cool that he puts this move on because I'm gonna get. He's gonna tap. Someone's gonna tap me in a real role anyway. This doesn't count. Yeah. The perspective changed. Did it like? Was it a fair observation? In my mind, it was kind of just like I don't want anyone to let me do anything to them. I want to find the way myself by being curious on how to get past this arm. Um, I mean, I think that's just learning in general. If you're forced to learn anything. Unless it's like a life or death situation, I think it's very hard to learn. I remember it probably took me about eight months to tie my bell properly for jujitsu. Yeah. Because I didn't care. I just wanted to know how to choke that guy. Yeah. Like that. That's not why I'm here. I'm not, I'm not here to learn how to tie a belt. Ben, he tied his belt perfectly today without me giving him any help. I turned around. He already had his gi on. He's never been on an actual mat. He's been here maybe four times. And obviously he was curious. You know, it was bothering him. I need to know how to get this belt right. I don't like the way this looks. Yeah. So, you know, it's it, you learn because you're curious. There. If I drill armbar with you because you want to drill armbar, and I'm like, I don't really care about learning it, but I'm just doing it to help you, I'm probably not going to learn anything. Yeah. I need to be in that state of curiosity as to like, wait, why is it harder to move my arm? What are you doing differently? Yeah. Do you feel like, so you're like, general appreciation has grown so that's why like before you're like this is the thing that's important to me so that's what I'm looking for so all the other stuff doesn't matter and now 
when is it like just your like your general curiosity has increased so now you're like what don't I know? Maybe there's something here that I don't know yet. Yeah, you're just looking for it everywhere. I mean, you go to this potato farmer who has been doing this for six years. Like, he obviously, he was more curious about whether or not he could grow the crop than he was about how the how crop he... actually grew. Yes. I mean, if this guy was yeah, just... Yeah, that was a, his journey. Yeah, yeah. You know, if I was obsessed with potatoes, I just wanted to know everything. Why did this potato grow twice the size of this potato when it paid the same? What is the content of chemicals in this patch of soil versus this patch of soil? Yeah. You know, test this potato. What, what are the vitamin levels in it? How is this one different? Like, I think if I were to take my first shot at growing potatoes after doing all that research, I might get it on the first or second try. Maybe, yeah. But, you know, if you're not looking for the detail, if you're not curious about what you're doing, yeah, you're not going to learn anything. I mean, I think that's the key to a great teacher. I can show you something a million times, but if I can make you curious about what I'm showing yeah, you, yeah. then you're going to learn You're going to look for it either way, yeah. Yeah. I look at the teachers that I've had in my life. Like, some of them, they just cared about getting through the lesson. You know, it's just big classes they don't really care for you and like I didn't really learn anything I just yeah. do it because I was supposed to but my science teacher I had this guy Dr. Park and he had a lot of stories he used to be an inventor cool so it was really like anything he explained he could always back up with a story you know he's talking about heat exchange he talked about this flamethrower that he built and all of the different processes and how it all came out and you'd be like you're imagining him sitting there with a flamethrower and I'm like okay I'm actually kind of curious now about this but if someone's just like, okay, you know, so once the temperature gets to a, a certain degree of cheer. He's just checking off that he said it. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know, so it's like you need to put yourself kind of in those shoes. You know, In a way, my inner self was sitting there holding that flamethrower too. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We were saying before, right, an ability to picture yourself there. No, in you, order to you, fall in love with a girl, even, you need to be able to picture yourself with them. If you can't see yourself with that person, then, like, you, the curiosity isn't there. Like, it's... Yeah. Yeah, that's what the pursuit comes from. Yeah, so that's why they say, you know, fake it till you make it. You have to imagine yourself as this person to become this mm -hmm. person. Yeah. You need to set those rules. You need to follow in the line to get to... That's probably, know. honestly, why people have such a compulsion to, like, identify as one of these groups you're saying before like okay so i'm gonna be a vegan now it's like it's giving you a blueprint of now i know what to look like now i know what i'm supposed to say now i know what i'm supposed to do because i don't really know but there's clearly there's defined rules about what i'm allowed to say if I'm i know a there's part things i can't say so i just want to you know it's kind of like that song by macklemore you know give me a start to reach for i'll do whatever it takes like or i'll yeah. see how much it takes I thought that's the thing, you know, we all want an identity. You know, if someone could just hand us our life on a silver platter. But it's sort of what people are doing. In China, especially. No, like here. Because if you think about it, right, like, it's hard. It's hard to figure out. It's a lot easier just to adopt one that someone told you is the one you should have. Yeah, this will be successful. If you do this, this, and this, and this, you will get this result. Yeah. I want to know, like, how do I open this box? Yeah. Yeah. But it's uh it's funny because it it feels like people want a shortcut. I don't I mean, people as I mean it's not me. I feel like just people in general 
we look we're looking to like for the so I don't think saying easy way out makes it sound like weak I don't mean it like like people are weak necessarily but I feel like there's like a compulsion we're trying to find comfort people are trying to find like the path of least resistance it's easier to just follow a blueprint oh this is what I'm supposed to be like okay I'll just follow those steps I'll say those things I'll do this stuff and that means that I'm a good person but there's no engagement about what that actually means it's harder to actually sit down and figure it out right it'd be like what's easier to go in <laughs> what's easier to go into a go into the dojo and spend 10 years training vigorously to become a black belt right or to make it so that people can't fight which one's safe like, i want to feel safe you either learn a self-defense art and put the time in and grind and fight and learn and grow and do that or make it so that it's not possible for anyone to have any knowledge that could hurt me make it bad so no one can do anything to me what's what's easier easier is to just make the law that no one can hurt you yeah but it's easier it's not as effective and it's not it's not work. better necessarily no, i think it's kind of like uh i mean i bought things from ikea before if someone just handed me a bunch of wooden nails and said figure out a way to build this thing to sit on you know, I, I know there's a chance I could That's a fail. way better example. Yeah, it's like, do I really want to waste all of this time... But is it a waste? ...to fail? What decides it's a waste? I think what decides you, it's the waste the is the thing... The, maybe it's the ego, you know? There's that deep thing saying, I don't have much time left, so do I want to spend three weeks with all my spare time trying to figure out how to put this and trying and failing and building it myself? Or I could follow this blueprint and build it in two hours. Mm-hmm. If you made your own bench, if you struggled through and literally figured out how to make your own bench with other tools, it would take longer. It may or may not cost you more. You'd sure as hell learn a lot more. You may not end with a bench that is exactly what you want, but you would have grown in a way you probably couldn't possibly understand. And the bench would be really special. It would be, but it's easier just to buy the Ikea one. No, I think if... That's what you're doing in you're life. You're not really growing. You know, people have already mastered buying ben or building their own benches. You know, if you want the easy way, just have a kid. Just watch it grow. I made that. <laughs> Look, it, it's Having just... Having kids is stressful. And because it's like... You know, you're talking about a podcast. You're talking about making music and being nervous about putting it out into the world for people to fucking hear. I, deep down, I know I shouldn't care. Bro, it's terrifying having kids at the same time as being super exciting because if you stop and think about it literally stop and think about it have you ever met anybody that didn't have shit to say about their parents and how they fucked them up somehow it's like a white person pastime literally mm -hmm. remember my buddy Ricky that we worked with at Krabby Joe's he gave me that book like a how to infiltrate white people remember that book I vaguely remember seeing like, that. One of the things, it was just like a book filled with, I think it was like a thousand like reverse racist ro like things about white people that every immigrant should know of a way to manipulate white people to get an upper hand on them. It was like all the stereotypes about white people. I need to read this. It was I don't know fucking how <laughs> hilarious because it was like, I'm like, Jesus. He's I didn't like, know that could be done. It's like number one. What, so this literally, he read this one to me. He's like, this is the best one whatever in his been he was like uh 
you're in a group of white people. <clears throat> you're in their natural environment. You probably respect your parents. Maybe they worked really hard. Uh, you're like they're not they didn't they're not perfect, but they've done the best that they could do and you respect them and you do whatever you can to honor them. You're in a group of new white people. Don't say any of that. Talk about how your parents were too hard on you. They didn't give you what you needed. <laughs> and they will instantly bond with you. And it's like, I'm stopping. I'm thinking about it like, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really think of anyone that is like, like they're like, oh, I love my parents. I'm like, yeah, but if you get them in like a dark moment, they're like, yeah, but they fucked me over, you know? Like my dad didn't love me as much as my brother or, you know, they did like my sister. They liked her better than me. People always like scapegoat their parents of like how they fucked them up they're in therapy for some reason with their parents we need to put the responsibility on somebody yeah so being a parent and you're like I <laughs> tell them no about something or you give them a hard time and you're like I think this might be a therapy moment yeah <laughs> you know it's yeah and then in their how mind, am I screwing like, them up right now if you tell Avery like you're, you can't be a real princess like <laughs> you're gonna grow up and you're not part of the royal family and like I'm not gonna be king so like there's no way of ha- this actually happening. But do you... Do you, like, you could be the princess of your own reality? Or do you crush them down and be like, no, you'll never be a princess, you'll never be anything, you're just gonna be a worker bee? Like, what do you do? There's like you gotta so compromise. Like, I'll call you princess for the rest of your life, but you're not gonna, you're not gonna feel like one in the real world, so I'm just telling you. But, like, yeah. There's... You don't know the real answer. Like, you don't know the right answer. There's no right answer. There's probably wrong answers, but I don't know if there's a right answer. There isn't, you know? Just like, I don't think there is a lot of right and wrong, but I mean, you take that with uh, these conversations about all these taboos that we're talking about. It's like, do you go along with what everyone else wants their beliefs to be? Oh, God. This because... Where, this is where I get, in my tr- I get into trouble. Probably. But, you know, it's, I think it comes down to kindness. I mean, you introduced me a couple of years ago to that book, The Four Agreements. Yeah. And uh, it brought up the word sin, and uh, I, th- I think it actually brought up the word impeccable and yeah. how it meant be uh, impeccable with your word. Yeah. Yes, uh, to be impeccable in Latin uh, means to be without sin, mm-hmm. essentially. So a sin is anything that goes against yourself. So yeah. if you know that somebody's touchy about something, and you touch on that, and you upset them even though part of us can justify, hey, we're doing them a favor and helping them break themselves out of this little thought bubble of their mm-hmm. belief because yeah. they're holding on to it, um, you're hurting them and in a way that goes back on you in a negative way and they're going to view you negatively. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, on one hand, we shouldn't do it, but I do also think if we... You know, there's all these lines that are being imposed, but if we don't resist in any way just going to be a big mess of lines all over the place. Like, no one's going to be able to do anything. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it's, you know, yeah, it gets it gets messy. Because it's nice, it's nice to, to play intellectually with ideas like that. But then when it actually, like, the rubber hits the road, it's, it's really actually quite challenging to do and not, it not blow up in your face. Because, you know, sometimes, this kind of goes back to that comfort thing, right? Like, if you, if you always try and do the nice thing or the right thing, sometimes, well, no, sometimes the right thing isn't the nice thing, right? It's like sometimes, sometimes when someone's being an asshole, the best thing you can act, the easy thing for you is to pretend that they're not and just leave. But 
that might not be the right thing to do. Sometimes the right thing to do is to be like, you're being an asshole. <laughs> and they say like in that, right? They're like, you know, dark magic is your words and you, you cast spells with your words. That's like the, the verbiage that they use, right? The idea that what you say, you put that out there. And if you say something negative, it's dark. And if you say something positive, it's light. Okay. It, I think it's all true. But something interesting that Jordan Peterson points out in his book is that all of that is true. But we have an obsession with acquainting light and dark with good and evil. And although what it actually means is chaos and order, that's really what we're talking about is chaos and order. Light is things you can see. It's the good. It's the nice stuff that makes you feel cozy in the moment, right? It's what you... The reason it makes you feel cozy is because it's what you can expect, okay? You're laying in bed, it's warm, it's cozy, you know what it feels like right now, you know what to expect, you feel safe, you're warm, everything's good, right? Getting out of the bed, into the, it might be cold, maybe it's colder than it is in here, it's not going to be as cozy, I sure as fuck know that, it's not going to be, I don't know what to expect, Right? I, I can think about what it might be. I can theorize about what it could be like. But I know with what I have right now is good. And I don't know what that is. So it's not as good making it slightly bad. Right? It's this... The order versus the chaos. Exactly why I slept in this morning. But there's no, there's no truth to that chaos is bad. Right? All of one and none of the other is bad. Truly. Yes. Right? Like, if everything is always orderly, you think on the surface, this is the problem. I, I feel like the problem now, right now, with the culture right now, is we always want order. We always want good. You always want to have the stuff you want. You always want to feel nice. You always want people to be polite to you. You always want everything to be good, right? But the reality is, all good isn't really good. All order isn't really order. I think it's neutral. You, sometimes you, you need chaos. You need things to be different. Sometimes you need to go into the unknown. Sometimes you, things need to not be exactly what you're expecting because that's where new things are. Potential happens, right? And But we're so like... We're so conditioned to like believe that you deserve to be happy all the time. You deserve to get what you want right now. You deserve to make all the money you ever need. You deserve the woman of your dreams. You deserve to have whatever you want. You deserve to, to have all these things, right? Which, okay, that's a nice thing. Yeah, that's a nice thing to think. But it starts to create like, it starts to create craving. It's like a, a craving, a desire, a need to have that then. I need it to be good. I need to have all that stuff. I need that all to be true. Now that I deserve it, I need it. Let's get it. I already picture myself there, so I should have it. Why don't I have it? Why does that guy have it? I deserve it. I should have it. Why does he have it? Why does he get it and I don't get it? Now, it all starts to like turn in on itself. Do you know what I'm saying? It all starts to go dark. And you, But you're striving for good. It all comes from a place of good. You keep telling the guy, oh, you deserve this. Oh, you're a great guy. You're a super good guy. And I feel like I'm feeding into, it should be good. I'm not really feeding it a good. It just, on the surface, it seems like I am. But and I'm not actually. I'm fostering bad. One of the strange things I've learned recently was uh, 
I was reading some psychological study. I wish I could quote on who it was from. But basically, when you do something for someone else, it doesn't necessarily make them like you more. It makes you like them more because you're investing in this person. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm kissing your butt and like shoveling your driveway and all that, it's going to make me better friends with you. It's not necessarily going to make you like me anymore, even though that's how we all think that it is. If I give this person something, I'm going to get something back. Well, it's the main reason you should never give anything and expect any sort of response in general. You just give everything unconditionally out of the bottom of your heart because mm-hmm. the minute you get that expectation, it's, it just doesn't work that way. All you can expect that if you do things for other people, it's going to like make you like them more. And if there's somebody that you... It makes it easier to have done that thing. It, it definitely does. Yeah. And you know if you then you get to the problem of if you're just you know one-sided and one person's just doing everything for you and you don't do anything for them... It's going to create an imbalance. You know, yeah. That's why I think that that's where it comes down to syncing up <laughs> like two radio stations. Like People need to be on the same level doing the same thing or else it's chaos. Yeah. And I think that's why we do need this order. But if everything... Yeah, you need, it, you need both. Yeah. Because it, it, yeah, if it's not there, <laughs> it doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It's sort of weird because that's like saying you want everything to fall in place. You, It's like, you know, they do that touch wood, you know? It's like a belief that, yeah, everything's good now, but it could go away at any second, right? Mm-hmm. If if touching wood forced it all to stay the same, would you all would you actually want to always be the same? I think that would get very boring and repetitive. Fuck being boring. On the surface, it feels like, well, I don't want anything bad to happen to you. But how many times has something bad happened that on the the flip side of it, on that, you know, in hindsight, you're like, well, it sucked to be the me then, but being me now, having that asshole, having to have gone through that, I turned out pretty much good. Like, fortunately, me right now, I'm not still going through that. So I'm glad that that asshole is the one that went through it and not me. And that's why you, you got to really appreciate it. I mean, you know, I was in a, a car accident recently. And I mean, I've got a pretty good driving record. I've been driving for seven years. But I think at a certain point, I got too comfortable. I think that's what I'd break it down to. I mean, I actually appreciate it in a way. Because now, every time I'm on the road and I'm looking at other cars, I'm imagining all of this scenario. That guy could come out of there and crash into that guy, and he could T-bone me. <laughs> it's like, I wasn't curious anymore. And now yeah. it's actually causing me to learn again. I mean, I wouldn't say I was a bad driver, but I wouldn't say I was the best driver I could be. So I think anything in this life that pushes you to get curious could be a great thing. Yeah. That's, That's like chaos. Like, you need a little bit of it. You need a little bit. You do. If you woke up today and you could just decide exactly what would happen when it happened and everything is predictable and everything is good and safe and comfortable and nothing really radical changes unless you felt like you wanted it to, but it was within the thresholds of you being comfortable with it at all times. I mean, if someone came along and they're like, yeah, I know that's all set up, but that's not, that's not actually the right way for you to be. I'm just going to throw some chaos in there. You're like, that person's a dick. You're a fucking asshole. Why are you fucking up my shit, man? And you can be mad at them, but then you kind of need that. You kind of need that, don't you? Hey, you just don't like want to You got to throw a little be, bit of spice and everything, you know? You need a little bit. You, you need the Poyler spice. Said you, need, yeah, you need salt and you need pepper. I mean, has everyone ever been on vacation to Cuba? Like, believe me, bring your own salt and pepper. You need spice. 
or else it's just really boring. Like, I don't remember, you know, none of my meals were that memorable there. I ate in Cuba. I don't remember what I ate. But, you know, you go to that fancy restaurant where everything has the right spice. Like, it just <laughs> creates that moment. Oh. Things need to be less boring. Um, I mean, yeah, there's there's always going to be that duality. I mean, you look back in uh, school, you could have knocked out that bully. And, yeah, you'd probably have humbled him and done him a favor in a way. Mm-hmm. But you're also not doing him a favor because you might break his nose or <laughs> put him in a bad position. It's like there's going to be good and bad in everything. There's yeah. there's never not any good or bad. I think the only time that that really exists is when we decide what's good and bad. It's all going to be imposed. Well, that's the that's kind of the thing, you know. It is what it is, and that's all that it is. But anyway, it's getting late. And my wife wants a sandwich. I'm really tempted to cross that line now and imply a joke about women and sandwiches where you, you all know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess we'll say goodnight for now. Good night. And remember, the force will be with you always. Hey. happen again, they may never happen again, that may be the only one you ever have.